I'm Avery Smith of the Rock Candy Podcast Network, and you're listening to Blessed Are the Binary Breakers, a multi-faith podcast of transgender stories. So, I promised you all an episode about names, and I am still working on that. But I've been super busy this month, so it's not done yet. Instead, I have something else for you today. A clip from a conversation I had with my friend Laura for their podcast, Autistic Liberation Theology. We talked about the story of John the Baptist's birth as told in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 1, and connected it to a term that Laura has coined. Magnetism. Get it? Like magnetism, but with the word autism tucked in? Pretty good, eh? Magnetism describes a phenomenon that many autistic persons have noticed, that before we know for sure that someone else is also autistic, we find ourselves drawn to them. There's a connection between us that we both just sort of resonate with. We click. We can communicate more easily than we can with others. We feed each other's energy and enthusiasm. Well, in Luke 1, when Mary is pregnant with Jesus, she visits her older cousin Elizabeth, who is pregnant with John the Baptist. As soon as Mary calls out to greet her cousin, the story goes, the baby in Elizabeth's womb leaps for joy, a wild exhilaration, as if even in utero, something links him to his fellow fetus. Laura and I compare that joyous leap to the autistic recognition of our neurodivergent kin. For the two of us, the words and actions of the adult John and Jesus resonate with our own autistic experiences. Both of them question the status quo that everyone else just accepts and live in ways that defy social norms. Both Jesus and John the Baptist dare to say things that others find offensive or flat-out bizarre, even when it gets them in trouble. I've talked before on this podcast about how I also read Jesus as trans. God beyond gender squeezed their infinity into a human body that was assigned male at birth, and Jesus allowed others to read him that way, even while he resisted some of the social rules for men in his time and place. Well, there's something to John the Baptist's story that also resonates with the trans experience. And because of their actions surrounding their unique child, John the Baptist's parents can serve as models for how parents of trans and autistic children should respond. This brings us to the clip from my conversation with Laura that I'm going to share today. One thing to know before we start is something that Laura and I discuss at length in the full episode. That's how John the Baptist was conceived. The beginning of the Luke chapter describes how an angel came to the elderly Zechariah to tell him that he and his wife, who had never had any kids, would soon have a son whom they should name John, and that John would prepare the way for God's liberation. When Zechariah requests a sign to help him believe this is really happening, the angel makes him mute and deaf. There's a whole bunch of really interesting stuff to be said to relate this event to disability theology, but you'll have to listen to the full episode over on Laura's podcast to find out about that. 
For now, enjoy this clip, starting with me reading Luke chapter 1, verses 58 through 66, which describes what happens directly after Elizabeth gives birth. Her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had shown his great mercy to her, and they rejoiced with her. On the eighth day, they came to circumcise the child, and they were going to name him Zechariah after his father. But his mother said, No, he is to be called John. They said to her, None of your relatives has this name. Then they began motioning to his father to find out what name he wanted to give him. He asked for a tablet and wrote, His name is John. And all of them were amazed. Immediately his mouth was opened and his tongue freed, and he began to speak, praising God. Fear came over all their neighbors, and all these things were talked about throughout the entire hill country of Judea. All who heard them pondered them and said, What then will this child become? For indeed, the hand of the Lord was with him. The, the thing that I always wanted to talk about in the story of Jesus and John in the womb was this feeling of mutual recognition. Mm -hmm. This feeling of, oh, there's someone like me. Oh, there's someone who might understand me. And that, that feeling that, as we said before, fair warning, we are reading John and Jesus both as autistic. Mm -hmm. <laughs> whether you like it or not. Yeah. <laughs> that is something that people, whether they know they're autistic or not, experience throughout their life that they get they are drawn to other autistic people because we understand each other on a on a level that is sometimes hard to describe yeah it's kind of it's easier it's a nicer flow it's less masking and or no masking and it's um even with like different neurodivergent groups like uh this when when autistic people call each other neuro siblings Yes. Sometimes autistic mm -hmm. people call ADHD people people neuro cousins. Yes, cousins. Uh huh. And um, the term that I'm tr still trying to establish is magnetism, that autistic people are drawn towards towards each other. And this feeling, I I know that there are friends of mine. When I first saw them, I had that feeling that person will understand me. Mm -hmm. That person might get me. And it was kind of an instinct instinctual thing, like an instant relief of oh i want to be friends with that person because that feels safe yeah and that feels joyous and that yeah this this idea of of john leaping in elizabeth's womb with joy yeah and sending joy to elizabeth and also sending joy to, to kind of the other baby they recognize each other however that's possible in two wombs but um then also kind of making mary uh, recite her famous prayer and be being really being really excited and this is um yeah. and i i love that it's described as like elizabeth is filled with the holy spirit like what is going on here is something holy yeah. and is like the there's divine activity in work at work in this in the in the magnetism in the recognition of yeah yeah like oh someone like me is nearby i am leaping for joy and then and then that extends outward to yeah elizabeth and then to mary and it just it just ripples outward and that makes me so happy <laughs> and i i know that this is a, a different word that, uh, that is used in that bible passage uh, of uh, the creation of eve mm -hmm. when adam is basically didn't connect with the yeah. other creatures mm -hmm. that weren't just not that's not the same and then 
uh, Eve was created, and then someone like me. Oh yes. yeah, now now I... at last. But mm-hmm. but that feeling of I know you, mm-hmm. you you're familiar. This this feels safe, and that that is a really like um really basic human need. Yes, yes, to have that connection. And later when we talk about not having that, we might expand about how does it feel to 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 crave that and not have that. Yeah. But um, for now, this feeling of autistic joy and what some people call uh, autistic oxygen, <laughs> when autistic people come together and um, click and merge and that feeling going to Artscape um, for the first time or every time ever, like since, or to other uh, autistic events and just feeling like I can breathe now. This is... This is how how this should feel. This is how wow! I'm really good at social interactions. I'm really yeah. good at making friends. <laughs> yeah. When you realize you found your people. Yeah. And later on, we might talk about some pop cultural uh, references that fit into that narrative. Mm-hmm. But what I liked was your interpretation of autistic people spreading joy, even to non-autistic people. And I really mm-hmm. like your interpretation uh, of that with that story if you want to elaborate yeah yeah and i um yeah like i said that this joy between john and jesus spreads outward into elizabeth and mary and then afterward into zechariah in the second half um because after zechariah says his name is john and ever the the people the neighbors kind of freak out like what is this kid going to be like zechariah launches into his own famous prayer which uh, in Catholicism is often called the canticle of Zechariah. I, I don't know um, if there's other words for it, but he basically praises God for um, saying like, oh, because of my son, like God is going to like bring liberation and mercy to the people. Um, so another, like Mary is about like the status quo being upturned. It's that same idea of liberation of the oppressed. Yeah. And it, it, it all stems from John, who is just a baby at this point, and already the autistic joy is resonating outward in a way that I totally see when, not, not to like <laughs> be like, I'm amazing like this, but I have had experiences with non-autistic people where my passion gets them excited too. And like I've had, mm-hmm. you know, I've led Bible studies and stuff for various church communities and the feedback that I'm most like sort of honored by or flattered by is when people tell me that my passion for the Bible or for theology got them thinking, like get got them more excited too, that they were sort of able to feed off of my excitement. Yeah. Yeah. It makes me really happy. I know that, that feeling. Yeah. I know that getting that feedback, you're really enthusiastic and you do everything hundred percent and you do everything with joy and, for me, that's normal. I can't imagine not doing that. Yes. <laughs> but, but yeah, I, I like this idea of the joy spreading because it, it shows us that it's not only the non-autistic world that can do things for us, right? That autistic people have gifts to offer their communities. In preparation for this, we, we also talked about how one of the many gifts that autistic people bring is a form of liberation, Mm-hmm. Like the thing that Zechariah mentions, or that Mary mentions, in kind of uh, not believing the status quo, yeah. being a bit more immune to social pressures, to social rules that are harmful, um, questioning stuff, um, being 
what was your term? Autistic defiance. I yeah. really like that. Mm -hmm. Autistically defiant. And that in, in many liberation stories in the Bible, that is the liberation. That's basically, you've been told a lie by society, by the ruling yeah. class, by um, the people in power. Yeah. And you don't have to believe that. Right. People told you you're not worthy, you're not beloved, you're not righteous. But God says something different, mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. this making yourself free from from uh, the things that have been said about you that were not true. Right. That that is an autistic gift. Yeah. That can be a prophetic gift. That's yeah. Um, I mean, that's my experience. For example, talking about mental health, <laughs> I'm I feel like I don't really have a choice but to talk about it, but it, because I need to explain mm -hmm. when my mental health is bad, and so. Yeah, it's a it's a matter of survival for you. Yeah, yeah. That you have to. Yeah. And I, I I try to find words that explain my struggle to other people and then suddenly it's kind of oh actually I feel similar and actually mm. kind of you need mm -hmm. somebody to start yes. uh to to uncover the fact that so many people are, are struggling and are suffering but you need that you need that that child in the emperor's new clothes Mm -hmm. who who stands there and and tells the truth and suddenly the the illusion is lifted right yeah and autistic people do that all the time and mm -hmm. and jesus does that all the time and yes yeah john probably too and many many biblical prophets yeah yeah john the baptist absolutely does and it gets him thrown in prison <laughs> yeah oh yeah 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 right right and 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 de decapitated and everything and yeah but yeah first it gains him a lot of like people flock to him and they realize he has something to say yeah and that gets the people in power afraid that he that he's has this sort of enticement on the people yeah that things can be different that liberation is coming but yeah like you're saying about like autistic people for a lot of us either because we don't like for a lot of us social rules don't come naturally yeah. so it doesn't occur to us that it that we're not supposed to question the way things are and then the the second half is even once we've learned especially when we're older we've learned that we're not supposed to question the way things are but our survival depends on doing so anyway yes we sort of naturally start with that intrinsic defiance and then we have to continue to cultivate it yeah or or we can't survive, we can't be whole because the world wasn't built for us. Yeah, that yeah, absolutely true. So that can that can be liberating for other people who might survive but struggle and suffer. Yeah. But to to to, to liberate them too. Yeah, because they might be able to sort of survive and make it through, but they're not going to thrive. And so, like Jesus, who shows a way to abundant life, not just not just a life of getting by, keeping your head down. Yeah. We're headed towards this abundance that yes. is enticing to everybody if they have the courage to to listen and to see. Yes, yeah. And Zechariah, Elizabeth, Mary, these are parents of of children that we are that we find autistic that Laura and I say have this autistic resonance. It's really, it's really refreshing to find parents in the Bible of autistic children who are willing to listen and who are yeah. are able to respond. Um, in verse seventeen, um, back in the first passage we read, where Gabriel, um, Gabriel's talking to Zechariah, he's telling Zechariah what John will be like. Gabriel mentions that that John the Baptist will turn the hearts of parents toward children. Mm -hmm. 
I love that so much. I mm-hmm. love that so much. Because so often we hear sort of the opposite, that children need to sort of like unquestioning, unquestioningly obey their parents. But no, um, John will turn the hearts of parents toward children and sort of open them to that idea that, oh, children have something important to say. Yeah. Um, and I think for autistic children with non-autistic parents, that is vital to the to the thriving of both parent and child, like to that whole family. So often when it comes to especially non-autistic parents having to decide whether to side with societal pressures and norms or with their own child, they often feel compelled to side with society. Yeah. And um, this is so content warning. This is um, talking about filicide. This is the narrative that when when a non-autistic parent murders like their own child and they get no sentence or just a really minor sentence yeah uh then uh it's basically you see this this whole this this kind of alliance between the parents and society of they had to do it because it's so hard and it's so, such a such a burden right and and it is it is murder <laughs> it is child murder it is yeah and, and for autistic people reading that over and over that narrative uh that's really destructive and yeah the sentence that has emerged from that protest is be your child's first ally not their first bully right it is understandable to be afraid of all the harm and all the uh discrimination your child when your child is different that it's going to be live going to live through but then don't be one of them Mm -hmm. tell them that that is wrong tell them they don't deserve to be treated like that and don't make them feel like, yeah, society is right and you should change. Right, yeah. Forcing them to try to change things that are not changeable. And and that shouldn't be changed because when they are embraced, it's a real gift. So I have decided to give Zechariah a special status as, like, I love that you, you at Christmas you did this thing about Joseph being the ideal ally. Yeah, yeah. About not really getting it at the beginning, but learning yes. and being supportive. And Yeah, once he finally gets it, he is 100% on board. Yeah, Zechariah can be another. <laughs> There's this whole thing about um, what what you're going to call your child John, but there is no John, like this breaking of tradition and mm-hmm. the whole the whole village basically being this is wrong yes you just you don't do that yeah and and being very sexist about oh well the mom yeah, yeah, yeah. elizabeth might must just be confused i'm sure the father doesn't want us want to do that and i had this image in my head of zechariah affirming his son's name his name is john mm-hmm. that we should declare zechariah the patron saint of parents of trans kids yeah yeah. That uh, somebody standing up, holding kind of a banner of my kid's name is what they say it is. Yes. Or, my kid's name is this, accept it and stop mm-hmm. questioning it. And also to that is something that yeah many autistic people, children, wish their parents would do kind of. Mm-hmm. My son is like that. My child is like that. And, and I love that child and accepted everyone mm-hmm. to have an ally. My child is like this get used to it. I'm on their side. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and with um, Zechariah in particular, like, you're, like you mentioned, like we can understand a little bit where parents are coming from when they, they lean towards that societal pressure. For Zechariah as a priest, he is someone very, 
if he's high up and well respected in his community, it probably is dangerous for him to break with convention to a certain extent. Yeah. Um, so that when he insists on breaking that naming convention, no, his name is John. Um, the response from the neighbors is to be afraid. I thought that was so interesting. It, it was it was kind of a combination that he wrote his name is John and then he could speak. Yeah, it says he asked them for a writing tablet and wrote his name is John and all of them were amazed. And I'm I haven't checked, but I would I would bet that word for amazed in the Greek is this one word I see a lot that means like shaken up, like sort of shocked. Yeah, yeah. And then immediately he could talk and fear came over the neighbors. So that combination of him supporting his son and like being like, no, this kid is going to be named John, then being like, what the heck? And then suddenly he can talk again, and they're like, oh my gosh, this kid is scary. <laughs> yeah, that, uh, I, I, just, I just feel how much that triggers my feeling of, I don't want people to be scared of me. Yes, yes. And feeling how to have to, to do all this emotional regulation for other people. Yeah. That can't handle me being me. And I don't even know what it is. And I just want to make them more comfortable around me. And yeah. then I mask and I adapt and I, I fawn, I people please. And I just this feeling of people bearing, being irritated by you. This feeling of, yeah. I don't know what's worse, when people laugh at you or when people are scared of you. And it both feels horrible. And I know it so well. And I just, yeah... I, I I feel that very deeply. This what this minor thing affirming a name is scary and to you. Why is that scary? And that is something that many trans people can relate to. Right. Yeah. And it's because it questions the status quo. Yeah. It questions the idea that gender is a binary that is set in stone. Um, and with autism, apparently autism is so terrifying that you would rather withhold vaccines from your child because you think they could get autism from it. Like you'd rather your child die of a preventable disease than be autistic. That is like you said, like it's so crushing. It's, it's really painful to realize that's how people view people like us. Like, yeah, yeah. We're not that scary (laughs) and we're not, your child being one of us isn't sort of a, it doesn't have to mean that they have a, a bad quality of life. Yeah. Um, and of course, once you add more factors, the fear becomes even more like intense. Like if you're a child of color and, or a pers- an adult of color who is autistic, Yeah. that is viewed as, yeah, the, the fear is even more sort of visceral from people who see a black autistic person having a meltdown in public that can that can get them killed. And that that uh, huge number of, especially black men being killed, uh, they are neurodivergent. Yes, yeah, because people see blackness and they see mental illness or neurodivergence as scary. You combine the two and suddenly people paint this picture of a monster in their heads when it's just a human being. Yeah. Yeah, and that's why it's so important for parents to be that that first ally and not that first bully because we need like people who are autistic or any other marginalized group need people in their corner yeah and i mean there are there is one story in the bible when mary also gives in to this societal pressure and then Mm. it's basically your son is teaching weird stuff you better pick him up and yeah (laughs) uh, then this whole family is kind of trying to 
to rein him in and mm -hmm. stop embarrassing himself in public. And yes, and it even says something about like someone says like your kid's basically acting insane. Yeah, yeah, he's crazy. That fear of having the the crazy kid that needs to be reined in. And then, then Jesus' judgment is quite harsh by saying, okay, <laughs> uh, if family means you're supported, then those guys here are my family now. Yeah. Who is my mother? Who is my brother? It's not you guys if you're acting like this. Yeah, you've just proven that you don't actually know me. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But yeah, for, for Zechariah, Elizabeth, and Mary, they all managed to break free of those conventions. Um, even like you said, like if Mary like slips up later, yeah. um, I think that story is told in Mark, but yeah, like overall they, they're on their child's side. Yeah. Um, and especially like Mary leans into disgrace as like becoming pregnant before getting married. Like, yeah, yeah. The social stigma and the danger and yeah. And she does so joyfully because she's she's excited about this child who is a very different like is going to have a life path that's very different from what most people expect for their kid yeah. but she's excited about it and and john is going to be like it says live in the wilderness like yeah i just imagined him being kind of running free and being a child outdoors and already uh, developing an appetite for locust and honey <laughs> and yeah, we talked about this, that this might be his autistic same food, mm -hmm. that many autistic people have very selective uh, things that they can always eat, that yep. the texture is okay, the taste is okay, that's safe. Mm -hmm. um, of course, it has to do with what is available in the wilderness, but also the thing that he just eats that. Mm -hmm. For me, I can imagine an autistic person living in the wilderness with a lot of seclusion and yeah very only certain things to eat like i could see an autistic person getting by better than a lot of non-autistic people would because for me obviously like you know autistic people need community like everybody else yeah but i know for me at least i can get by longer on my own than a lot of people i know yeah or if I only like if I'm alone a lot of the time and then my main connection is like when I head to a village to be like, hey, come get baptized. Like I could see that being like I would <laughs> I would have enough social fulfillment to then go back into the desert and do my weird thing all by myself out there with my camel hair shirt. <laughs> yeah, and that that is recharging enough to have those really intense mm -hmm. connections with people kind of baptizing them and preaching. Yeah. And that that sustains you for a while. Yeah. And. Honestly, the the least autistic thing is his camel hair shirt. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking about that must be... Is that scratchy or is that really soft? Is that... It's probably scratchy. I think he's wearing it as, like, the way penitents in the Bible will put on okay. coarse sh clothing. Yeah. I guess either... I mean, it's part. it might be just part of how he is a, an a, acting out his religion, that for him, that discomfort can lead him towards holiness. Mm -hmm. Or it could be maybe he is hyposensitive because some autistic people, instead of being hypersensitive, are hyposensitive. Maybe for him, yeah. the feeling of the hair isn't yeah. that bad. Like maybe he barely feels it because that's true for some autistic people. Yeah. <laughs> so either way. <laughs> I had that thought too, having your, 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 your safe clothes or your same clothes that you wear every day. Or that can you want to buy 20 pieces of the same yep. <laughs> shirt or trousers because they just feel good. Yeah. I can't imagine that with a camel shirt, but... Um, no. <laughs> I can't imagine that with kind of uh, 
ancient linen and so the stuff that we imagine that Jesus wore, that that must feel really nice and cool in the hot climate. And Yeah, and no tags. Yeah, no tags. <laughs> uh, but I just think about, like, you're a priest and your son is kind of living outdoors and snacking on locusts and you <laughs> just are totally behind him and proud and his name is John. And Yes, yeah. And like we mentioned before we started recording, mm -hmm. that to the people around them, um, they might just sort of assume that John is a Nazarite mm -hmm. or another kind of, like, that Judaism does have certain options for, like, almost sort of, like, culturally approved um, experiences of, of, like, neurodivergent experiences. Yeah. So it might help that, you know, if someone's like, uh, Zechariah, where is your son? Why is he running around in the desert? He could just be like, oh, it's part, you know, it's how he lives out his faith and people... That would be socially acceptable, yeah. And I mean, ideally in our own time, if someone is like, hey, why is your kid doing that? And your response is, oh, well, they're autistic. It's just the way they are. Yeah. Like that, that should be just as socially acceptable. Like, oh, okay, that's fine. Like... And nobody should... Have you tried essential oils or have you tried... Right, uh, <laughs> yeah. Have you have you tried ABA therapy to get your kid to stop rocking? Like, yeah. instead of just being like, "Oh, okay, well, like, I I asked if they why they were rocking because I was worried they were upset, but it, they're fine. Okay, cool. Then I'm not gonna try to interfere. That's totally chill." If that snippet of our conversation got you eager to hear more, head on over to Laura's Autistic Liberation Theology podcast. I'll have the link for where you can listen in the episode notes. Laura told me they plan on publishing the episode sometime around Wednesday this week, so November 3rd or so. And like I mentioned before, the full episode also has some really fun disability theology surrounding Zechariah's muteness and deafness, which is usually interpreted as a punishment for a disbelief, but really doesn't have to be read that way. That's all I've got for you today, besides letting you know that if you haven't listened to my older episode about the queer origins of Halloween, go check that out. It's episode 29, titled Halloween is a Queer Thing, from Celtic peasants to LGBT communities in the U.S. Other than that, stay tuned for an episode all about naming for real this time. That will come out in November. In the meantime, go break some binaries and be a blessing to the world with your life. Thank you.